and welcome to the Euro Trip Football Podcast. It's time for another season preview with a Premier League season less than a week away. And this time, it's a turn of Brighton Hove Albion, a club that I grew a particular soft spot for during my time at Brighton Uni and having the chance to work at Brighton Games for across the season. So very exciting stuff to be talking about Brighton. And I'm here for the first time on the podcast. With me today is Johnny Elliott. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Really good. Thanks a lot for having me. Looking forward to it. Pleasure's all my mate. Look forward to talking all things Brighton with you. Now, we like to ask every newbie to the podcast, whether it's my NFL one, whether it's my football one, as to why they support the team they do. So for you, Johnny, why Brighton? It was mostly my dad, really. My dad supported Brighton, and Brighton have always been pretty much the local team. Um, and yeah, he, he used to go a bit when he was younger and um, I kind of, I kind of got into it when uh, about 2010, 2011, when I went to my first game at the with Dean <laughs> and it was, uh, an interesting stadium, put it that way. It's basically an athletics track, but it was league one. And, um, yeah, that's where I started my journey. And then, yeah, I mean, it's from going to that first game to now, I mean, if you'd have said to me back then 12 years ago that we'd be in, uh, in Europe, I'd have said you're an idiot. So, um, yeah, it's been a good journey, but that's pretty much how I got into it. And I'm just very fortunate that I'm a season ticket holder and it's half an hour down the road and we're in Europe now and it's just so easy to get down there. And um, Where I'm quite lucky as well is I'm quite a realistic Brighton fan because obviously we're not a massive club. Getting a season ticket and everything like that is quite easy. Getting away tickets is quite easy. You know, whereas, like, I don't know, like a Newcastle or something like that, it's <laughs> or, or Liverpool's like a however long waiting list. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm quite a fortunate and quite a happy Brighton fan, put it that way. <laughs> I mean, I can certainly vouch for Liverpool thing. I mean, <laughs> paying for membership the last five, six years, I've never once got a ticket. It's just impossible. I mean, unbelievable. It's sort of like a, if you could have hit the, what's the, I don't want to turn this, basically, if you'd been going to a lot of games years ago before this thing came in, you'd be laughing now because you've already gone to X amount of games that's on your record. But, of course, nowadays, someone who normally goes to two or three times a year at most, try and get tickets now, it's impossible. And back years ago, I got tickets quite easily in, in the early... Tw- I know we were worse back under Hodgson and Dalgleish, like early 2010s, it was very easy. Went to two or three games a year, very easy. But nowadays, you have to sort of resort to um, a touting, which is never never great. It's yard pain. But yeah. But there's the odd game where it's like only £30, £40 more. And I went to... Um, Norwich game and the Newcastle game a couple of years ago, as well as Brighton in Brighton, and it's um, you know, they're about 100 quid each or something. And then looking last season, I went to watch the who do we play? Last... Who do we... Um, I forget who we played last year, I saw us play, but um, Wolves that was it. And literally, I was like 100 quid, so yeah, you're paying a bit of money, yeah, more. that's the way it is these days. And I'm sure you know, mm. that's Man U fans, Arsenal fans, City fans, and I'm sure it's the same thing. And it's a shame that. Sadly, a lot of tickets do go to um, a lot of sadly tourist fans, which you know I'm very Absolutely. happy to get bigger worldwide. But I'd ra- I'd rather go myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm very like I say, I'm very lucky. Obviously, just very grateful. I think a lot of some of the newer Brighton fans, the kind of Klingons, if you like. It's not it's not like a Man City, but similar in a way of there's some corporate now. There's a lot of people in the West Sand that are. It's kind of secret Arsenal Man U fans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, I just hope it doesn't go that way too much. But uh, no, very lucky in the fact, like I say, that it's mostly not really like that. And I just, yeah, very grateful, Brighton fan. I think a lot of Brighton fans are like, oh, I can't believe this, can't believe this. We lost to this team, we lost to this team. 
the bottom line is we're overachieving. Like we're Brighton and Hove Albion. We came sixth in the Premier League. That's overachieving. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> there's there's bigger clubs in the championship. There is. I, I'm not stupid. Um, but obviously, like, like I say, just very just very fortunate and really looking forward to the Europa League. And um <laughs> I've already smoothed over the wife, said, right, we're going to an we're going to a European away day. <laughs> I just, I kind of, I sold it to her like, look, we can go as a family holiday, three nights. I'm just going to nip off one night and go to the football. And that's it. We'll look, we'll watch the draw, choose the sunniest, uh, the sunniest away trip. Hopefully like a Sevilla or something like that would be nice. And um, look, how many times are we going to come finish in the European places? Not many. So just proper bucket list for me that. An away day in Europe with Brighton is just, I can't even believe I'm saying it to be honest. Yeah, fantastic. And it probably is a one-off, um, maybe two-off if you if you do manage to keep like Staisado. I mean, look at teams like Swansea, Southampton. Exactly. You know, yeah. Look what's happened to them since. You've got to really appreciate what where you are now and just really not take it for granted because as those two teams have proven, um, Southampton more recently, um, you know, these opportunities don't come again. And Swansea haven't returned to Premier League since going down. So I think you've really got to make the most because like Leicester, We've seen this season, maybe if you have time, you forget that these teams were in the championship not long ago. So, sort of, um, you, you get used to them in the Premier League. And teams like Stoke, for example, were made yeah. for many years. And then they're now like they've been in the Premier League since 2018. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's just make the most and really enjoy and really make the most of that. Or that oh. might be your only year in Europe. Um, completely agree. Completely agree. 100%. Just curious, you mentioned because I lived in Brighton a couple of years ago. You mentioned you were close by. Where, whereabouts are you based? Are you They're just near Peace Pottage, so it's just straight down the A23, really. Um, so yeah, just fairly close to Crawley. So I, I, mm, I'm slightly right. closer to Crawley, so that would probably be my local, but I just never had that attachment. Dad never went there, just never had that attachment to them. That's probably the closest team, but um, yeah, like I say, we dad had the attachment there, went with him a couple of times. You know, followed it a lot in League One and the Gus Poyet days, and then we went up from there. We dominated League One that year, and then we knocked on the Championship door for ages. Um, a few heart Championship playoff heartbreaks uh, where we didn't quite get up automatically, and then we lost to Palace in the playoffs one year. Zaha ran rings around us, so we're knocking on the door for ages, and then we finally got our break. And then, really, the first few years in the Premier League was was trying to stay up naturally, which we just about did. Um, and then I think some some Brighton fans now are a little bit negative about Potter, but I'm obviously very grateful for what he did for us because he kind of took us to the next level. I think people forget the impact that he had. It's very easy to now dislike him because he left, but would I, 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 I'm very grateful of Hewton for taking us up to the Premier League. I really am. But would he have taken us to, as close to Europe as, as Potter did? I don't think so. So, yeah, there's a very good manager there, by the way, for whoever club has him. Um, yes, it did work out at Chelsea, but there's not many managers that it does work out with at Chelsea, let's be honest. So, um, yeah, so yeah, just up, just literally, I just go straight down south, down the A23, and I'm straight there. And it's actually pretty much on the A23, it's just dead easy to get to. Um, and yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm quite lucky because we are getting busier and things like that. Like the first game's already a sellout, I think West Ham, the second game's already a sellout and stuff like that. So I think because we're in Europe now, we're generating a bit more interest in, in people wanting to, to watch us. But even so, it's still dead easy. It's 30,000. It's not, you know, it's not 80,000. So it's still, um, 
it's just dead easy. I, I can leave work an hour before kickoff, get there in plenty of time, just shoot down there. I park near, actually park now near the uni. So I park that side of the road. You probably know the underpass where you get under and out yeah. by the station. So yeah. I just park, there's a little car park there. I go underneath, straight up the stairs, over the station. I'm in the North Stand, which is literally just there. It's just so, it's just so easy. So now sometimes it's just sometimes scary how easy it is to go there and watch like Man City, the best team in the world, just down the road. So very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, I had a similar thing too in terms of that. I lived in five ways during my master's degree at Brighton. Yeah. So literally, it was like a five-minute walk to the train station and then literally like a four-minute journey. And it was like four, five, six quid with a rail card return. Open yeah. and it was it was brilliant. And, you know, yeah. I'm very thankful to have had the opportunity to work at Brighton during my time, do my sports journalism master's. And, you know, I did yeah. the Man U game when they won 4-0. Um, like, yeah, you know, brilliant. So I saw them being like literally like really close to Cristiano Ronaldo and people like, Maguire, Bruno Fernandes, yeah. Rash, yeah. Rashford, Matter, all them. And then obviously for me, being a Liverpool fan, get to Liverpool Brighton, uh, the year we almost won a quadruple, again being the same press conference as Jurgen Klopp. And of course, Graham Potter, you mentioned Graham Potter, a man that I I've asked questions to you a few times. He was always very good at this time and towards the end he sort of got to know recognise my face towards the end and obviously I think I was actually at his last ever game because it was yeah. the last game and then it, there was at Leeds or Leicester whichever one it was where literally then the Queen died and then Potter then he left I think on the same day or the day before the Queen died yeah um, yeah. But yeah I've always played for him and I, I always say this I said it on the time and on the podcast when it all broke down that you can't do now Chelsea I know they've got a bad history as managers but at the same time Chelsea are a massacre they won two European Cups like in the day like Potter, it's not like he's from Brighton. It's not like yeah. like, yeah. in the day, like it's like you know if he, I agree, had Manu or Arsenal after him, he left, and I think to, even Deserbi, I think if Deserbi does well next, and he has someone like a, I say Arteta leaves, I don't know for some reason, or even Copley's, and we won Deserbi. Like you can't turn that down, and I think that whilst you know I understand that it's sad that he left, but really I think personally we'll probably go into this in a bit, but Deserbi for me actually. I think it's better manager Potter right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found it's crazy. Potter's issue with scoring goals, I found. And yeah. Zim's come in, they look better and they've got they've gone yeah. on since. So I don't yeah. think they be too annoyed, but I know a certain few Brighton fans that I know that. No, yeah, I'm not I'm not one of them. I've got nothing against Potter as well. I think it's very easy to look at it and go, oh, this, this, and that. But I think it's partly I, I I'm fine with him, really am fine with him, but I think it's partly that taking taking all the background stuff with him. And Bruno is just like a complete and utter club legend. Just a complete legend at the club and for him to take Bruno and to take Ben Roberts, the goalkeeping coach, uh, it was just, uh, honestly, when it happened, I was heartbroken. Uh, my immediate thought was that's it now that we're going to go that way. Like, honestly, I was convinced because Potter wasn't just a manager. He was a complete, he was the whole thing about the club, the style of football, everything. They all played from everyone raved about him and he was a bit more than just a manager. I guess it's similar to Klopp. It's not just a manager. He's he's part of the football club. He's part of the style. So when all of that got taken away, I was like, well, what do we do now? Where do we go? And then we got someone in that, let's be honest, a lot of us hadn't heard of. A lot of the diehards maybe, but a lot of us hadn't heard of. And I thought, oh God. And he, I think he lost his first game. And it's, oh, didn't start too well. And yeah, now, yeah, arguably, yeah, I would agree. He's better. He's absolutely brilliant. And I'll be honest, he's probably too good for us, if I'm honest. Mm. He is probably too good for us and his stock is so high and I, I don't blame clubs that want him. I think Tottenham sniffed around for him a little bit before they got Ange. Um, so, yeah, I, I love him to pieces like any Brighton fan would. But, yeah, like you say, I think the, the bottom line is don't take it for granted. Enjoy him while he's here because 
he probably will go to a bigger club and you never know the next appointment might not be as good. And like I say, I just don't take anything for granted because you've used plenty of examples there where clubs that we looked at that we thought were going to be sixth or seventh for ages aren't. You know, Burnley have only just come back. They were in Europe one year as another example. So they just, they really come and go so quickly. Southampton are a big club and they're gone now and their team they had in the um, Europa League was phenomenal. Uh, absolutely phenomenal team. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. We we took half their team as well. So I got a lot of fact yeah. as well with um, yeah, yeah. Marne, Van Dijk and Marne, all yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But for you, before we go on to the summer transfer window, just a couple more questions. First of all, your favourite ever Brighton player and also your favourite Brighton memory since becoming a fan of the team. Favourite Brighton player is actually quite easy. <laughs> a player I'm borderline obsessed with, Lewis Dunk. Um, nice. I just, I just love him. Like I try not to get too excited. He's just such a club legend. And he was at my first ever game at the with Dean. He was about 17 years old. He was, I think he started or he came up off the bench. So he's been at the club the whole time while I've supported the club in 12 years. So proper club legend turned down a couple of, I think Chelsea were really sniffing after him 40, 50 million. And he turned it down to stay at the club. And I'm not a biased Brighton fan whatsoever. Some people say I would, but I'm really not. He's, really really good he's a really really good center back and I, I always bang the drum about England um constantly but he should at least at the very least be in that squad um if he's the kind of player like where a lot of people don't watch Brighton week in week out it's the kind of player when you watch Brighton you speak to any Brighton fan and they'll tell you how good Lewis Dunk is like he is he is we talk about Maguire and I know he gets a lot of stick and he's very he is decent for England in my opinion, Lewis Dunk is a is a quite comfortably a better centre back than than Harry Maguire. So, um, yeah, and it's it's just partly it's partly that he's just really good. Not only is he he's a bit he's kind of everything. He's a good passer. He plays through balls. He's sometimes on free kick for free kicks for us. That says it all. There's not many centre backs that take free kicks. So he's a good passer. He's strong. He's good in the air. He's a good decision maker. And it's just nice to watch him grow through the years. He was always good, but he was a bit error prone. But he's now at a stage where he's just basically the complete centre-back and the hole we're going to have when he goes is going to be scary. So it's partly, like I say, that kind of one-club man, been there all his life, captain. He's kind of Mr. Brighton, if you like. Um, it's partly that. And it's partly, I, I, I would say, previously an unsung hero, but I think people are coming round now as to how important he is for us. Um, yeah, I just absolutely love the guy. And I just think he's... If he went to Chelsea a year or two ago, he'd start every game. Um, I mean, Arsenal are a bit different now. Most clubs in the Premier League he would start for, in my opinion. Um, he'd probably fit in alongside Van Dijk, do a really good job. He's just class. He's just, like I say, he's got everything. He hasn't really got a weakness. He's just top draw. And I think it's partly, I think the England thing maybe is style. I think obviously the modern way is your Ben Whites, is your footballers, you know, Um and maybe he's a bit old-fashioned, kind of John Terry-esque. Obviously, John Terry was world-class, but he's a bit of the old-fashioned defender. And I guess it's partly he's the wrong age now. I think Southgate obviously wants to bring in the youth like a Colwell or whatever and tries to bring them through, whereas Dunk is kind of towards the end of his career. And I know he did get a call-up very recently, but he kind of been nursing an injury, so he had to withdraw, which was, again, very upsetting because I've been banging the drum for ages for England. He finally got called up. And then he had to withdraw from injury. So I hope he gets another look in. 
Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll better shut up now because I can still got Lewis Dunk all day. I love it. I love him to pieces, but he's just absolutely top draw. Yeah, I mean, I've I going back to my time there when I first started doing the the, the sort of the media stuff, and you know when I did Liverpool games the first time, it was still COVIDy. But when I that was the first game that when you beat Man U four 0 the first game where I got to actually go in the mix zone and speak to players, which is how I got to be in and around the likes of Ronaldo and Mata and all them. And I remember I got to ask questions to Trossard and Dunk. Yeah, so Dunk was probably not in the best mood. I think he was a bit knackered. He, <laughs> he wasn't exactly the most talkative. Whereas Trossard yeah. was a bit more. And certainly when I um. In the next game I thought too, it was when I interviewed Enoch Wepu. Obviously, sadly, that was his last ever professional yeah. game. He wow, was, yeah. He was very lovely. But the dunk, I can't really have a go at him because at the end of the day, for me, it's like you played a night, like same as Klopp. Klopp wasn't in a good mood either. And I think it's down to you just played a whole 90-minute game, 100% you've given. And obviously, in that game, they just beat Manu 4-0. So obviously, he was at his best that game. And I, yeah. like you, I think he's a great defender. And I think he deserved at least more caps. Same sort of me and the Grand Holtz or Charlie Austin sort of thing when they were in there at their best. But I think that, you know, in a day, he's had a big game. He's probably done a lot of media duties already. The last thing I'll do, yeah. is, uh, i got to say, a nobody really. I'm re- I am really a nobody. So at the moment yeah. in the media world, I'm not I'm not at the level of a like Laurel Woods or a Sam Matterface yeah. or a back in the day, yeah. you know, Clive Tilsey. I'm not at that stage. So I don't expect them to really give him time of day. So I don't really hold it against him. But it would have yeah. been nice to have had a, more of a chat than we did. But either way, you know, I can't really hold it against him. Now, favourite memory. Now, it's maybe obvious. Um, would it would it be qualifying to Europe or then another maybe event <laughs> you that stands out more? It it's very interesting. Yeah. So as a as a general rule, yes, definitely. As a moment, my first ever would we'll probably come on to talk a little bit about the rivalry now. But the the Palace rivalry is a really interesting one because. I always say this to people is where the rivalry came from is borderline. And I can understand people going, hang on a minute, where's the rivalry come from? But I always say to people, it does exist. <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> I've seen it. And it is, it does exist. And I'm not saying it's as big as a Liverpool Everton or a Liverpool Man United I'm, or a Rangers Celtic. I'm not saying that. But when people go, oh yeah, this rivalry is fake rivalry, it's not fake. So the first time I went to Sellers Park, uh, just uh, it's just absolutely brilliant. Like I say, it's just a different game. And the first guy I went to was the, I don't know if you remember the Mopay lob in the last minute. I um, don't actually know. So they, we were poor that day, actually. And Palace Zaha scored a penalty. And you can imagine being a Brighton fan, Zaha, we all kind of, he's kind of our enemy a little bit. We don't really like him because he's kind of Mr. Pa- Mr. Crystal Palace. But anyway, he's gone now. We won't go there. But anyway, so they controlled the game. And the last, literally the last minute, it, was, it became a meme because one of the guys shouted in the crowd, don't let the ball bounce. It was a long kick build down the field. It bounced. Mopes lobbed the goalkeeper in the last minute and we it finished 1-1. But I mean, I was I was on the concrete within about half a second after we scored. Like <laughs> the scenes were absolutely scary. We were like a couple of the guys were on the pitch and everyone went berserk. And yeah, so that was my first game at Palace away, which was pretty special because the atmosphere was incredible. And then that happening, it was a pretty it was a pretty special moment to be fair. So as a moment goes as like a split second moment where I was like euphoria, that was it. Um, but you know, as a general rule, I'd say it's say qualifying for Europe. Yes. As well as Premier League was, was amazing. Was amazing. You know, getting promoted to the Premier League was incredible. And again, something I didn't really think was possible. So that was equally as special as Europe, I'd say. 
Yeah, maybe. Europe, Europe, maybe Europe may be more surprising, but in terms of that amazing feeling of wow, I can't believe we did it. Going to get into the Premier League was pretty cool. I can imagine. I've seen pictures of the seafront with the bus parade. It looked like I don't yeah. know how busy that place can get, especially that time of year. So that must have been just a spectacular, yeah. spectacular moment. Um, now moving on to your ins and outs this off season. Uh, a, goal, a guy that's very close to my heart, James Milner, has joined you on a free. Um, other ones, really, no real ma- other major ones, excluding Jao Pedro and Ma- uh, Mahmoud Dahoud, I think I pronounced that right, from Bridget Dortmund, which is a yeah. fantastic coup. And then a lot yeah. of outs, um, obviously the main one really is one that's benefited my team in Liverpool, <laughs> McAllister, who's gone for, I believe, is around about £40 million, I forget the fee. Um, and that's yeah, it's a funny one because some say thirty-five and some say fifty-five. I think I think that the the Brighton want to claim the fifty-five and the Liverpool want to claim the thirty-five. <laughs> so I think it's thirty-five rising to fifty-four and five with very kind of basic add-ons, e.g., ten appearances kind of stuff. But yeah, forty, fifty odd. He's a good player. He's a yeah. good player. I think you've got a good player. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Um, yeah. and the FPL users. He's only six million, so I think that's mm. a. Certainly, guys you should look at. Um, and then yeah. the other really, Aaron Conley's left. Uh, I actually remember seeing him score for Brighton at Bristol Rovers about two years ago. Yeah. And then yeah. um, the one that happened literally about a day ago, uh, Robert Sanchez to Chelsea. So, um, yeah. cool. how happy are you with the overall transfer business of Brighton this summer? Yeah, fairly happy because it was always a case for us of keeping what we have. We, we came sixth. So <laughs> it, it's a case of, we don't really need to progress. We're already, we're already overachieving. So it, it's not a case of what we bring in. It's more a case of keeping what we have. And I'm obviously, as I said, a very realistic Brighton fan of understanding that players outgrow the club. We are quite similar to the Southampton back then model, which was, I wouldn't say we're selling club. I think that's harsh, but players outgrow us. Caicedo is is outgrown us. Caicedo is is better than us. I'm I'm happy to sit here and say that. Um, there are players that are are incredible that are probably are a bit too good for Brighton. And um, so yeah, it's more keeping hold of them. Um, and the McAllister one was a bit of a shame because there was a bit of a release clause there, so it was kind of slightly cheaper than we'd hoped with the whole World Cup tax. Um, so that was a little bit of a shame, but I don't begrudge him the move, obviously. <laughs> Liverpool are, are a much, much, much bigger club than us. So, yeah, I don't begrudge him his move. And like I say, the thing's interesting. I think where we're good is, and some people would disagree, but we have the price. That's the price. And if you if you want to pay it, we did the same with Cucurella. That's the price. If you want to pay 55, 60 million for him, pay it. If not, we'll keep the player. So, you know, are we a better team with Casado? Of course we are. Of course we are. But... We've said to him, if we get the right price, you can go. We're not we're not lying, but Tony Bloom wants his price. And I think now that Liverpool, by the sounds of it, have bid, I know it's a kind of was a bit secretive, but it looks like they had a bid turned down. Um, the Saudi Arabia random club has come in and bid as well. I don't think he wants that move, apparently. But I think now more clubs are in. I can understand them holding out for closer to 100. I mean, if it was 90 to 95 or something like that, then I probably would say, yeah. You know, it's a lot of money for us. Off you go. Um, but I can understand at the same time why Bloom's going. I think by the by all accounts, the Rice thing changed things a little bit. He probably, and Rice is a great, Rice is a great player, but I think he saw Rice go for 105 and he thought, well, Caicedo's a similar kind of player. Yes, you're paying more for the English, but the English kind of player tax, obviously. But um, 
It'd be an interesting one to, to see that because in Casado's head, he's gone. <laughs> um, he's agreed terms. It's just about agreeing the agreeing the fee. But um, it looks like we're going for Kudus um, in the last couple of days. Mohamed Kudus from Ajax, who looks like a really good talent. Um, it looks like we've beaten off Arsenal, Chelsea. There's some big names there that will link with him. So it looks to me like we've bought him as a replacement. I think we haven't quite agreed terms yet with the player, but we've agreed to deal with Ajax. Um, so he looks like a good player. It reeks to me of him replacing Caicedo. We had our final preseason game today. Caicedo wasn't in the squad. So I still think he will go. Um, but other than that, yeah. So going back to the original point, I think I think keeping what we have is more important. But where we seem to be very good, and I'm not sure how long this can last, is we seem to lose key players and at least stay the same. <laughs> somehow Basuma by the way I was I was a huge fan of I thought he was a fantastic player when we lost him I thought oh god didn't matter we got Casado you know we lost Trossard who was a fantastic player Matoma came through and CISO's coming through so it always seems like we have an answer Potter went Deservey came in um, so I know the club has always has plans for eventualities and the bottom line, really, to be honest with you, is I trust my club. I trust my club. I have no reason not to trust my club. I think we're one of, if not the best run club in the country in terms of running a half decent. I don't know, all clubs lose money, but the amount of times we'll sell Cucurella for 55, sell Ben White for 50, um, and not, you know, we'll sign, put it this way, Pedro is our record signing at 30 million. Um, and where, where we're overachieved is we still have our, our wage cap, if you like, you know, I think our most ever paid player is a hundred grand a week. I'm pretty confident it's not more than that. So we can't go. I saw some rumors about Jaden Sancho a few weeks ago. We can't sign him. We can't, <laughs> we can't pay his wages. So that's where I think we've done so well is we are still playing by certain rules, e.g. we can't sign, we're signing young players for the future, we make profit on them, they grow at Brighton, um, and then we move them on for profits and we try and replace them. So, yeah, I, I think the bottom line is whatever the club chooses, why would I not trust the club in, in the recent history of what we've done? So, is that almost whatever will be, will be. Does that almost fill you with confidence, the fact that you know, you mentioned all these players, and he's even going on to getting Stupin to replace Cucurello, and even the, the further back, the fact that he got rid of Matt Ryan and got and eventually got someone like Sanchez in. So I think exactly what you say, that was really one thing I was going to get into. So you've explained it wonderfully for me, which is great, um, about how good you are at replacing players. And I think that, you know, all everything you mentioned is then, and of course the Cucurello one as well, does that sort of almost fill you with confidence, the fact that, if Saicedo is to leave, which it seems like he is, another player seemingly going to Brighton to Chelsea, um, do you think that in the end, I think trust, usually trust is massive because I didn't, I I got a lot of time for man, I still love the guy, but I didn't trust Rodgers to make good signings, whereas with, especially when Mike Hunter is there with Klopp, I trust him, you know, any sign we make or play we get go, nine times out of ten, I'm happy that I'm I I trust the team to make the right decisions in the in the in the in the front office and things like that. So and also you said that the trust there and I think there's been a lot of great movements over the last few years with Brighton and for everything you talk about just then. So does that almost fill you with confidence that if Tycedo is to leave, you'll be absolutely fine? 
It's a really good question. Um, confidence, yes, based on results, really, based on how we've done things before, but not an arrogance, not an arrogance of, I know we'll be fine. Like, how long can this last? Like I said, Southampton did it a lot and look where they are. So it's it, it, it's a confidence in I trust my club, but it's still not a take for granted. If we sell all our best players we will get worse. <laughs> so we might stay in the league, but we will get worse. So, but yeah, the Cucurella one was a perfect example. I loved him. He was brilliant for us. He was player of the season, gutted when he left. Stupinan came in. I saw him for four or five games, said to all my mates, Stupinan's better. And they laughed at me. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're typical Brighton, you know, kind of bias, typical Brighton bias. It very much appears to me that Stupinan is better player than Cucurella, which is madness. It's madness. And I know that's opinion-based and, Again, a lot of times he's at Chelsea. He's not getting regular football. He's still a good player. But if you'd have said to me that that we'd bring we'd sell Cucurella for fifty five, bring Purvis in for fifteen, and he'd be better again, I'd think you're crazy. So, yes, a confidence based on it hasn't happened once. It's happened four, five, six times where we've sold key players and been fine. But at the same time, we can't keep doing it. So I think he realizes that. Hence why he's gone so high with the Caicedo fee because he is a key player so yeah I trust the club but I think Casado and McAllister's a bit of a hole I like Gilmore a lot I think he's a huge talent but he's quite young and uh, look Casado's young as well but he's he's just top top draw and Gilmore I like a lot but he's still learning um and yeah who looks very good as well but you know he, he looks solid um but yeah I trust the club I think and we'll come on to predictions, actually. I know you're going to ask me about that. I think if Caicedo goes, we won't come sixth, put it that way. Yeah, and that will be at the end. I mean, we've got about eight minutes left of our recording, cool. so we will mm-hmm. get on to that right at the end. Just final point. You mentioned mm-hmm. right at the start about Europa League, of course. Very exciting for Brighton, playing European football this year. Now, can you see a bit like West Ham last season with Europa League, or still Conference League, alongside Premier League, and not a massive amount of depth. Does that worry you in terms of, whilst it'll be amazing seeing Brighton in the Europa League, do you think that will potentially affect the league position? I know we're going to mention it in a bit, but um, but also just how tight are you in terms of, um, is there a particular team that maybe you'd want to see you play away from home? You mentioned your holidays and all that with the family. Speaking <laughs> of the game there, um, yeah, that's sort of two questions in one. But yeah, for you, yeah. league position, but also, yeah, is there a game that sort of, you'd love to go to a team that you could play in the Europa League? Yeah, so somewhere hot, <laughs> to be honest. Somewhere, like I say, I mean, I think possibilities, we're not going to be obviously in pot one, so pot one teams, but they're going to be places like Villarreal. I think Benfica might have been in there. So, you know, somewhere like that, going to that kind of atmosphere, a big European stadium in a hot climate, because it's going to be October, November time. So I always have a few uh, last of my mates and like, we don't really want it to be Iceland away or, you know, Andorra or someone like that. So uh, yeah, no, it, obviously the, the bigger, bigger clubs are, are, are in the Champions League, but yeah, someone like a Sevilla or a, or a Benfica or something like that would be incredible. And really good first question. I think, I think it will have a slight knock on effect playing in Europe. Yes. But I don't think it's going to have as biggest effect to some people might think i think it's a bit of a um out of proportion narrative possibly um 
we'll come on to the prediction, but I still think we're going to finish in the top half. I just don't think we're going to finish sixth. So I will have an effect, but we've still got a lot of very good players. And I don't think it's going to have a West Ham effect where they were fighting relegation for as long as they were. I don't think it's going to quite have that effect. And the bottom line is, I'm buzzing to be in the Europa League. I'm just absolutely buzzing. So in terms of expectation of Europa League, this is going to sound a bit weird. I don't really mind. We're in the Europa League. I'm buzzing. Like we, should, we We're overachieving. To go to European nights at the Amex is just brilliant. And of course I want us to do well, but I'm just happy to be there, really. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And anything else is a bonus, really. Yeah. I'm just enjoying the ride. I think you're right. I think that... You mentioned before about maybe it's one season you'll have ever in Europe, and I think that you have to simply make the most. And I think that for one season, if you finish 14th and you know win, uh, even even get to knockout stages, or even just have an amazing journey where you get to play someone like a Benfica now, that'll be amazing because you know I've been to that stadium and the city itself, and it's brilliant. And you mentioned Iceland; I've just been to Iceland, and I I would highly recommend it. So um, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, it's brilliant. Just a bit cold, maybe, but. But yeah. It looks amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Some of the things I saw yeah. were outrageous. Um, yeah. Right. Final segment. Now we've, you are our, you are our 10th guest on the podcast. It's intriguing how you compare to the others. But for you, Johnny, where is your team finishing in the league? This- I think my team is finishing eighth. I think we will drop a little bit because of your European football. And losing, by the looks of it, a couple of key players, because I do think Casado will go. Um, and even if he doesn't go, I think he, there's going to be a bit of integration, reintegration. He needs to get his head sorted. He's probably not going to start the season. So I think we will drop a little bit. But, and again, not trying to be big-headed at all, we've got a lot of good players, like a lot. Um, Ferguson's an unbelievable talent. Matoma's an unbelievable talent. Solly's very underrated. Um, we've got a lot of good players. I've talked a lot about Dunkey. Stupanan's fantastic. We've got two good goalkeepers. Um, we've got another lad called Adingra who I'd watch out for this year. He looks unbelievable in preseason. Um, so another another one hopefully coming through, another wonder kid. And CISO looked amazing at the end of last year. So the depth is getting there. I think as well, Pedro so far in preseason has looked very, very good. So the depth is getting there. Be nice to have a couple more. Um but yeah, I think I think we won't quite do so well. I'd be surprised if we didn't finish in the top half. Um, just because I think, like I say, we've just got some really good players. And I think there are... I hope I'm not wrong. I really don't know. I hope I don't eat my words. I think there are 10 worst teams in the league next year. I do. I just, I just think we... We just play... Obviously, the style of football is really good. I trust the manager. We have a lot of the ball... I think our XG created last year was second in the league, I believe, behind Man City. So create a lot of chances. Yes, we can be a bit wasteful at times, but I'm just confident. Like I say, I'm confident in the club. I'm confident in the style. I'm confident in the way we play. I'm confident in the manager. And there's a lot of talent in there. So not quite as good as last year, but yeah, I'll go, I'll go eighth. I think we'll, I think we'll be fringes of Europe and Europe Conference League again, and we might just miss out just from the tired legs possibly, but yeah, just slight drop off, but still a very good side. Fantastic. And that is where we will end the podcast. That is the conclusion of our Brighton season preview. So first of all, Johnny, thank you for coming on. 
Pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. No problem at all. Pleasure's all mine. Before we do go, uh, if, you, if you'd like me to, um, decision's yours. But if you want to plug your social media, now's your chance. How can people find you on online? Thanks very much. Yes, yeah, so I do a pod myself that I've just kind of recently started up called Elite Sports Debate. So that's on, I think it's at Elite Sports Debate on YouTube. I do most of the YouTube stuff and um, do an FPL one as well. I know you briefly touched on FPL, but I'm a I'm an FPL nerd. So like a proper nerd. So we do an FPL weekly. It's called... Um, so that's, yeah, FBL Weekly on Insta and on YouTube and on Twitter. And um, that's obviously going to start. We do it every week, but it's going to start ramping up very soon. And yeah, I love my, my football, as you could probably tell, but I'm I'm really getting into FPL as well. And it's, uh, you know, for those that don't know, it's just a very interesting, it's more interesting than a lot of people think. And it's very tactical and uh, it's growing as well. More and more players each year play it. And um, I really enjoy it. So yeah, those two. Amazing. Now I actually retired from FPL twice now but I've been drawn back in because <laughs> oh, Javan he's doing a yeah. three entry and it's a thousand pounds for the winner so I'm doing one league and that's it um, I've got into some of my team 5.5 million but I'm doing it purely because I want to win that many otherwise I'll, I'll try I try to avoid it because it caused me a lot of stress when you, know, you take out a player and then they start scoring and, and vice versa so 100% 100% no it's really it's actually really true and a lot of people don't understand that is it can be really, really genuinely really frustrating when you plan and spend loads of time on it and then you make a good pick and something bad happens. So, yeah, it, I, I try and keep it as fun as possible, but I completely get it. It's very time-consuming as well. So. <laughs> oh, without that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I have been the Eurotris podcast. I've been Andy. This has been Johnny. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks very much. England's boy, Germany won. Michael Owen is number one.